excuse to come and say hi. So we are in this series in discipleship. And, and uh, week one, uh, so uh, two weeks ago, we, we looked at discipleship and Jesus. Specifically, what is discipleship? Like, what is Jesus's view and understanding of discipleship? And, and what does it look like? And, and, it was, and we looked at, at Jesus specifically, was, it was intentional. He was very intentional with how he discipled. He literally called them the disciples. He was very intentional that this really, that this is on purpose. He was relational. It wasn't, it wasn't just a class. It wasn't like, hey, show up for this 60 minute class and then boom, you're discipled. Now go and disciple other people. It was relational for years, years, in daily life with his guys for years together. And it had a, he followed a process, a plan, where it wasn't a one-time deal and it was like he would, he would challenge them and when they would mess up, he would have grace, but then he'd also like encourage them to, to think beyond themselves and like challenge them in, 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 their, in their kind of their traditional understanding of how things were supposed to be. And, and, and so he was, he, was, he was intentional, he was relational, and he followed a plan. And then last week, we looked at, um, at discipleship and the church and and we started by looking at what is a church? What makes a church a church? And, it, and, it, and, and, we, and we started with these questions and, um, and, I, and I asked you, can, can a church be people you know, on a walk in the forest or um, at a movie or uh, having a dinner together or having a, just a, a random Bible study? And, 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 and a lot of the answers were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Until we looked at, well, hold on. Now, what does the Bible call a church? And there were 10 things that we looked at that were specific to the church that, that we, we looked at in the book of Acts and we pulled out and we looked at even Paul's kind of, his, his, um, what he told Timothy and Titus to do when they were going to start churches. And there were very specific things that a church has to either do or have to be considered a church. And, and we looked at, okay, so what makes a church a church? What makes it unique? And then what is the church's role in discipleship? And we looked at that last week. So again, if you wanna catch up, you, all of these all the sermons we do are online, so you can go jump online. I think even on Spotify. So if you're like, hey, I just want to listen. I don't want to watch. You can, I think we, you can just like subscribe to our channel. Um, I'm trying to get my wife to subscribe. She hasn't done it yet, but uh, just kidding, by the way. Um, uh, uh, so, so if you want to catch up, you totally can. And now, now this morning, um, we're, we're going to look at another aspect of, of, uh, of discipleship, kind of another sphere or area of our lives. And, and probably just like the last ones, even last week, I know I ruffled some feathers and kind of, you know, stepped on a few toes. This is gonna not necessarily step on toes where you're like, oh, I don't know if I like what he said or agree, but it's, you're gonna feel it. It's gonna feel like some conviction of, oh, okay, maybe we're not doing, oh, I don't know if I'm doing that thing or, oh, that hurts a little bit. And it's gonna feel like, it's gonna feel like somehow we or, or me, I'm calling you out on, on areas where you could be better. And, and let me just start by saying this. I am preaching this sermon to me today. As much as you're gonna think like, oh, okay, they, that's what I needed to hear. I'm telling you, I need to hear this. Like I'm preaching about discipleship and the home and I need to focus on discipleship in my home. So as much as we all are gonna maybe feel like, ooh, I don't, that feels, I don't, that kind of hurts a little bit. Listen, I promise you, we all are in the boat together. <laughs> all of us are gonna feel like, 
man, I could be doing more. I could be doing more because it's true. We all can, and, and we're not perfect. And we'll, I'll, I'll talk about this here in a second. But I, I just want to give a preface that, that this is going to like, ooh, okay, okay. In an encouraging way where I hope we end and we say, all right, I can do this. And, and I'm, I feel encouraged and empowered to do this. And I want to, to do discipleship in the home. All right. I feel like I have some, some, maybe some tools to do it. All right, I, I can do this. I hope we leave with encouragement, though in the beginning it's gonna feel like, oh, 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 that hurts a little. So I wanna start by asking, and this is rhetorical because all of us, you know the answer. Who are the people that you care about the most in your life? The people you care about the most in your life. I don't even have to know who you are or, uh, or their names, but I know this. You will say, oh, my family. My family, of everyone on the planet, of all of them, and you don't know all of them, but assuming you knew all of them, your family would be at the top of your priority list. Should be, I imagine. That the people you, even even when your family might be at odds or, or there's broken relationships, maybe with you know, a parent thing or a sibling thing or even a child thing where like, it's just not, like, it's just, it, it's not how you want it to be. Even in those moments, you're still saying, but I love them like with everything that I am, with all that I have. Like I still, maybe we're not even talking right now, but I love them and they're still a priority to me and they're still some of the most important people in my life. That your family, your family, right? Blood is thicker than water. Your family is the most important, like those are the most important relationships and people in your life. Here's another way to put it. Um, who do you want to be in heaven with you the most? And, you know, don't give me the Christian answer like, I want everyone to be in heaven. Well, yes, okay, maybe. Yeah, great. But who do you, who, who do you really want? Who are the ones that are like, no, no, but like if everyone else can fend for themselves, but the people that I want to be with, people I want to be with forever, it's your family. It's the same people, right? It's your family, your family, your immediate family. These are those, they are the most important people in my life. They're the closest people in my life. They're, like, if they're struggling, it brings me the most amount of heartache and struggle. When they're happy, it brings me the most amount of joy. It's your family. Your family. And, and, and so, so here's this morning, ready? How are you helping your family grow closer to the Lord? As we talk about discipleship then the people that you should be wanting to invest in and help grow the most should be that same group of people, your family. The people that you care about the most, the people that, that you want in heaven with you, to be with you forever the most. Like I, I, more than, like, I want all of you to know the Lord. I really do. That's why I do this job. It's like I want to help you grow in the Lord. But you know who I really, really want to know the Lord? My family and my kids. They, like they are the most important to me. And I imagine your family is the most important to you. So it would make sense then that if we're talking about discipleship and, and, and like your role in discipleship, that your family should be at the top of your list of people you want to see disciples, to see grow in their faith, to grow in their understanding of who Jesus is and their experience of him. They should be at the top of the list. Now, I can just, by the look, I can, I can already tell. Some of you are ready to walk out of the sermon right now. <laughs> You're like, I already know this is gonna hurt. And, and, and so a couple things. It's not gonna hurt as bad as you think. And we're gonna end with some encouragement. Um, 
But I want to start by saying this, okay? So here comes, here comes a little bit of the pain. The role of discipling your family rests with you. Not the church. Okay, ready? The job to disciple your family, the responsibility, the role of discipler in your family is yours. It's not mine. It's not the job of the church to do all the work for you. Here's the role of the church. Ready? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And then he ends with, so that we can all reach unity and eventually maturity. He says this, the reason Jesus gave apostles and teachers and pastors and, um, and, uh, and prophets was so that they would equip God's people for works of service. Not that they would do all of the works of service. The role of the church is not to do your work for you. I was a youth pastor for, uh, for a, de- a little over a decade. I had, I, I had hundreds, probably in the thousands of kids go through the ministry at larger churches and like a ton. I mean, honestly, a ton. And I, and I say that because I, I saw, I, I got to interact with over 10 years, hundreds of families, more than most get to interact with and like see their kids kind of grow up from, you know, from like kind of becoming kind of mature puberty all the way then into college and then, and then post-college and get married and start having kids of their own. Like I've been a part of that life for a lot of families. And I can tell you, there have been a lot of good, well-meaning, loving parents who love the Lord and also outsource discipleship to the church. They outsource the responsibility of discipling the most important people in their life to someone else. And then if it goes wrong or if it didn't happen how they want, then they complain that the church isn't doing its job because so-and-so didn't call my son or visit my son or you guys didn't do this event or, or I don't like how you guys did this or I don't like that you did. And, and, and I, I would hear this and I would go through it and, and here's my response. And I was very nice when I said this. I'll be much more blunt with you because, you know, what are you gonna do to me? Here we go. <laughs> At most, I would have students in our ministry for one to two hours a week. That was the dedicated students who came every Sunday and then came midweek. Maybe if they were in a small group and like, all right, th- I'll get three, three hours, maybe. And the rest of the time, they're with you. They're with mom and dad at home. And it is, it is unrealistic to expect that a one hour a week on a Sunday morning is going to effectively and, and sufficiently disciple your child in the, in the six other days of the week you just leave it up to chance. You just hope it works out. And they go through middle school and high school and, and no wonder that the rates of, like, of drop-off is anywhere from 50 to 80% of church kids who leave the faith. Not because, not because like mom and dad are terrible people, but it might be because we have a discipleship problem that we, we think it's the church's job to fix our kids. Listen, the role of discipling your family, it rests with you. You are the primary discipler of your family. It's how God set it up. The church, though, does have a role. 
The church is, is secondary in its discipleship of the family. We are supplemental. We supplement what you, what you should be doing at home. And, and what happens is so many times, like nothing's happening at home, so the church is the only thing that anyone gets. And, and so like it stresses, the, like it puts all the stress on the church. And then the complaints come when the church isn't living up to the standards of discipling and disciple making at home because that's the job of the parents. And if they aren't doing it, and then, and then what happens is like everyone gets upset and frustrated because it's out of order. It's out of whack. The, you, you are the primary discipler in your family. And the church is secondary. Now notice what we said, secondary, not, ready? Not optional. I didn't, we didn't say it's optional. I did not say that church is optional and just use it when you can. It is like the church is not optional for your life. It's not optional for your, for your kids' lives, for your grandkids' lives. Because listen, Jesus died for the church and he came to set up his church and the gates of Hades weren't gonna prevail against his church. Like the church is, it, it'd be like saying this, Jesus, I love you, but I really don't like your bride. But I, I, I love everything about you. And he says, that was the most offensive thing you could say to me. The most offensive thing you could say to me is, Brandon, I really like you, but your wife is, I, I just, if she's around, I don't want to be around. Now, first of all, she's way better than me, so you're, you probably prefer her over me. But like, you say that to me and think that we're going to be fine. We're going to have a really good, a good, nice relationship. Like, oh man, I love how you talk about my wife so disrespectfully. But when we, when we say the church, when we talk about the church that way, Jesus is saying, you know that's my bride, right? You know that's my bride you're talking about. Church is secondary in its discipleship of your family, but it's not optional. It is not optional. My kids, like our family, like schedule is all funky and stuff. And, and my kids, like they're one's in, in middle school right now and then one's in high school and, or two are in middle school. And, um, and they like got up early this morning they, on their own, but also like I, we arranged ahead of time last night. Hey, I know that like the schedule is funky, but you're gonna come early with me when I get here, like early, early so that you can be at church because it's important. You don't just get to skip church just because it's like more convenient to sleep in. I don't want my kids to grow up with the option of saying, ah, do you want to go to church today or not? Let me encourage you, if, if, that's, if that's you or where you've been, and, and if you're a high schooler or a middle schooler and you're in here, uh, I say this unapologetically but sympathetically knowing that you're probably like dragged into this and you're going like, oh, big church is so boring. First of all, how dare you say I'm so boring, Okay. <laughs> But, but second, listen, if you grow up thinking church is optional, when you leave the house, do you know what church still is to you? Optional. You grow up, you leave, parents, if you, if you raise your kids to think church is optional, if you're tired, just sleep in, but like it's not that important of a thing, when, it is crazy to then think when they leave the house, all of a sudden the church is gonna become a primary part of their life. It's always been, we raise them to think it's optional. What do you know? They think it's optional and they walk away. And then we blame maybe the church. They just didn't reach out enough. And I'm saying, hey, we got plenty of stuff to do. You just got to get them here. There's, you got to be involved. The ch- Listen, you are the primary disciple in your home. The church is secondary, but it's not optional. So let's talk about discipling in the family. Here's the, here we go. We're going to look at what Paul tells us. The single greatest lesson you can teach your kids is not, is not how to be a good person. It's not how to have a successful career, how to get into a really good college, how, it's not even, here's how you treat people. That, like, that's good. It's all fine. That's not the greatest thing 
when, when your kids grow up, that the thing that you, like, the, the, the ultimate goal is not that they grow up thinking, well, this is what it means to be a good person. Here's, the, ready, the newsflash, okay? And you know this. You are a sinful person. And your kids didn't skip the sin bug. They are sinful people. And they will make mistakes. And, and, and some of them intentional. They, so, so no one's perfect here. Ready? We can be good-ish, but we are sinful people in need of a savior. What you can te- the greatest lesson you can teach your kids is not how to be a good person. It's this, ready? It's how to honor people. What Paul tells us, what, uh, what, what Moses tells us in the Ten Commandments, what God tells us, he, writes, he tells Moses, write this down in the Ten Commandments, is all about honor. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter six. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And then he quotes this. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, we're gonna, after this series, we're gonna jump back into our 10 commandments series and we're gonna look specifically at this commandment. So I don't wanna spend too much time here because we'll look at this here in just a few weeks. But, but well, here's what he says, ready? Here's what he says. Children, here's what I want you to do. I want you to obey your parents. Not, not just because, he's a, he gives a qualifier. Obey them in the Lord. This is, a, this is a spiritual role that they have in your life. It's not saying for the rest of your life, do what mom and dad says. That's not what he's saying. But obey your parents in the Lord. This is what God, this, this pleases God. And then he says, he quotes the commandment. And here's the commandment, ready? Honor your father and mother. That's different. Now, again, in a few weeks, we'll talk more about what this looks like. But the lesson here is not about behavior. It's not. The motive is honor, and it's carried out with how you treat people. And so this, I've said this before, and so I'll say it again. Our goal, my goal, maybe I'll speak to myself, and I'll let you decide if you want to join my side, the correct side or not. (laughs) My goal is not to raise good little Christian boys and girls. I've, I've, I've had so many good little Christian boys and girls come through the ministry and then walk away from faith. Because for them, Christianity was just do the do's and don't do the don'ts. And then eventually they said, I don't know if I agree with these don'ts or these do's. I think I'll go my own way. And, and if the goal is to just simply raise good little Christian boys and girls who do all the things that you want them to do and, and they say the right things and, 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 and be, uh, believe the right things, but, but it's never really internal. It's just like they're wanting to please mom and dad to like, I just want to, all right, fine. I just don't make mom upset. Don't make dad upset. All right, then, they'll, then, then great. And then when they, when they graduate high school and they go out on their own, guess what? guess what Christianity is for them? It's do's and don'ts that they probably don't agree with. It's never personal because for them, it was just about being, my kids, I, I want them to be, to be good people. I, want, I do, I do. Of course, I don't want them to be bad people. I want to raise my kids to do good things, to do the right thing always, to have integrity, of course. But that's not enough. I, I don't want them to just grow up to be like, all right, here's your life. And then, you know, you get to the end of the li- your life and you say like, yeah, I did okay. If my kids come to me one day and say, Hey, Dad, I, I, I know I'm supposed to, you know, the college thing, and I want to, and, and the job and the career, but I really feel the Lord's calling me to something else. Like, okay, well, you know, college is a good calling that the Lord is calling in your life because he told me to tell you to go to college. <laughs> and so you should go to college. Okay, yeah, I get it. And I, I, you go get a degree. But if they say my career, I think I, I think God wants me to be a missionary in a third world country where 
where there's persecution. I think I'm, okay. Like, is this dangerous? Yeah, it's dangerous. People have died doing this. Okay, two things. Number one, are you sure? Are you, sure? Are you really sure? And number two, I, I wanna be the kind of dad who says, how can I help you do that? Not to protect what, your, what I think your life should be or what I want it to be. I really, but I really want you to go do this. And they say, but I think that God wants me to do this. Whew. Okay, Lord, I, that was not our goal. Our, our, all right. I don't want to raise a good little Christian boy and girl who does what they're expected. I want someone who says, Dad, I want to change the world. <laughs> okay. Do you know who changes the world? Not little good Christian boys and girls. You know who changes the world? People who are willing to sacrifice anything and everything. Oh, we call them revolutionaries. Jesus was a revolutionary. He changed the world and it cost him everything. Ooh. Raising one of those, that's different. That's different. I don't want to raise people who do, kids who just do what they're told to do. Now, here's the deal. What is, what, to talk about honor and discipleship in the home, here's, here's the deal, okay? Now, I'm going to say this. And half of you are going to feel like, oh, man, that hurts. And the other half are going to do this. Yeah, he's right. He's right. Yep. When are, when are we going to get this right? Okay. Here's the deal. Ready? Dad, it starts with you. Discipleship in the home starts with dad. That's the, ooh, okay. And then, Last service, there were a few wives that were like, yeah, well, when are you going to start? A couple things, okay? Number one, this is a high calling. This is a high calling that we take serious. Number two, wives, moms, your job is not, I'm gonna, you need to hear this, your job is not to call out when your husband gets it wrong. It's not your job. It's not your job to say, see, you need to do this. You need to do that. I want you to do this. Do you, do you know what he will do? He will shut down. Do you know how I know he will shut down? Because I shut down. <laughs> you need to do this. Excuse me, I need to do what? Well, if you were just like this, then you would be this, and then, and then our kids would be better. It's your fault. Hold on. What? The goal, the, 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 it's a high responsibility for dads. High calling, right? To be the leader of the home. Okay, and here's the deal. Dads, you're gonna mess up. You're gonna get it wrong. And wives, you're gonna mess up and you're gonna get it wrong. And the goal is not to do this, to say, well, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. Well, if you would do this, if you would lead, well, if you would support, and instead of doing this thing and the kids see this thing and they grow up thinking this is marriage and then they get married and then guess what? They have this thing with their, and it's like, oh man. Instead, it should be, all right, you're right. I failed. I made mistakes. You know what? I made mistakes. Okay, together, let's look at what this should be like. Ooh, that's a different kind of home that says, all right, instead of just pointing blame, there's enough blame for us all to go, to, for, to go around to all of us. Like, all right, what's my role? What's God calling me to now? Now let's talk about discipleship. Okay, here's what, what uh, as we talk about this, within the family, it's the father's role to be the primary discipler. Here's what Paul tells us. He says, fathers, he doesn't say parents, he says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged in Colossians 3. In Ephesians chapter six, he says this, fathers, not parents. He talks about children and then he moves to fathers. Do not exasperate 
your children, or, or it literally means to provoke your child to anger. Don't provoke your children to anger. We know that can happen, and it often does, and especially because like anger kind of builds up in us, and then we put it on the kids, and then they experience that, and so he says, don't do that. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, the, the, the correction, the discipline, the discipling, the training, and the instruction, the counsel of the Lord. That's your role, to say, I'm going to train and instruct my kids in the Lord to disciple them in their, in their relationship with God. The, the, the parents' role, especially fathers, is both negative. Is, he gives us both a negative and a positive command. Don't exasperate and do train and, and, uh, and instruct them. Now, this is the ideal, okay? So not every family is ideal. And, and, and when, anytime we talk about family stuff, it always, it's, like, it's a difficult topic. But, but being a difficult, just because it's a difficult topic it doesn't mean we shy away from it. So we, all right, here's what, here's what we understand. Not every family has a father. And that's your family. That's your family. Then discipleship rests on you. If you're a single mom, it's not like you. Well, there's no dad, so I just get out of jail free card. No, here's what that means. The discipleship rests on you. If mom and dad aren't in the home, or maybe we, have, we I know we have a number of families here that the grandparents are raising the kids, guess what? The primary discipler then moves to you. You now have the responsibility to disciple and raise up these children, to take it on you. If dad's not in the home, it goes to mom. If mom's not at home, it goes to whatever relatives there are. And that's the order. And then the church is down here saying, how can we help you disciple your kids? Instead of, hey, give them to us. We'll take it from here. You've messed them up enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> it rests with dad. So, dad, we, is, this is a high calling. And I, again, I'm speaking to myself and saying, I, 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 can and need to and will do better at discipling my kids. This is, again, if these are the most important people in your life, the most important relationships, then this, this is too big of a deal to leave up to chance by outsourcing to someone else and hoping they do a good job. I hope that the church does good with my kids, but I don't really know. Oof. These are, these are, the, Train in instructing your children to be a good person or to have a good job. It's all good. It's all good. But, but this is different. This is training them in the Lord and, and their knowledge and experience of God. So how do, you, how do you do this? How do you disciple in the home? Because that's the next logical question is like, okay, I'm convinced I need to do this or I need to do better at this or I need to just think more intentionally about this. I, I want to grow in how I disciple and invest in my kids. How do you do this, okay? And this is both, again, this is all of us. Mom, dad, everyone. Dad, your job is to take the lead, but it doesn't mean mom's not involved in the kids' lives. Of course not. So, so what does this look like? It's actually, how do you disciple in the home? It's actually quite simple. It's really simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. Here it is, ready? Determine what helps you grow in your faith and then provide that for your family. Determine what helps you grow in your faith. What is it that helps you grow where you're saying, this is the thing that really, like, it seemed to just really help me grow spiritually in my, in my understanding of who God is, my experience of him. Whatever that thing is or those things, here's what you do, ready? You provide those environments and those opportunities for your kids, for your family. For me, I want my kids to do two things. I want them to grow in two areas. And honestly, this is, this is probably everything. It's probably it. In their knowledge and understanding of who God is and their experience of him. Everything else 
is extra. I want them to grow in their knowledge of God, in their understanding of who he is, and in their experience. This is a personal experience that they have with him. It's not one or the other, it's both. And, and, and th- here's, here's how you do that, ready? You determine how you grow in your understanding of God and your experience of him, and you provide those opportunities. So, was it a Christian friend? Was it a Christian friendship that helped you? Someone came along, maybe a mentor or someone that like really helped challenge, and, and challenge you and encourage you? Great, and you want that for your kids. Another reason why they should be at church around other people's kids, so like, I want my kid to be around good, positive influences with, with like people who share their values. Man, awesome. Be praying for them that God will put, that they would have good Christian friends. Is it, was it reading the Bible for yourself where you're like, man, I really, it, what really took off was when I started reading my Bible. That's when I like, I really felt the change where it was personal. Awesome. Then you know what you do with your kids? You teach them to read their Bible for themselves. Not as like a, go to your room and you will read the Bible until I say so. When I let you out, you can be done. Don't, you should never punish your children with the Bible or with church. It should never be a punishment where it's like, this is punitive. They should never associate the church with something negative, that this is, if I do bad, then, then mom is going to do this, or dad will do this and, and restrict or punish me with church. Don't do it. Discipline in other areas, but I'm telling you, I've seen this so many times where kids grow up thinking, Christianity and Jesus and church is just all about power and control because mom and dad just wielded the sword with it. Don't do it. Don't do it. For you, was it, was it a Bible study where you got really involved? You, you joined a Bible study. Awesome. Then you know what you want to do for your kids? Have them join a Bible study. If you get kids are in youth, we do small groups. If you have, if you have littles, they're, they're in their classrooms right now going over like Bible lessons right now on a Sunday as we speak. Awesome. Wonderful. Was it learning to pray on your own? Teach your kids. Here's what it looks like to pray and give them opportunity and, and encourage them to, hey, you know what? You should, maybe you should pray about that. And not like, hey, let's pray right now with mom in the room. Pray, I want you to pray out loud. I need to hear your prayers. No, no, no. No, this is their relationship. If they want to pray privately in their bed with the Lord, guess what? They get to pray privately in their bed with the Lord. It's not about control. Is it, is it, for you, was it being intentional about your quiet time to say like, I have a dedicated time with the Lord? Awesome. Every morning or every evening or whatever. Great. Encourage them to do the same. Or let the, if you do that, let them see it. Model it. I remember just, just a, a number, like uh, over summer when we were going through Judges, uh, part of my pattern was getting up early and just reading through Judges uh, each morning. Um, and uh, the kids would, you know, come down and I'd already be up or whatever. And, and, uh, and then, and then um, we switched out of the series and, and um, uh, something else, I can't remember what happened, um, but, uh, but I, I stopped doing it in the morning and I switched to reading when I got here. And my, you know, because I'm, I'm paid to be spiritual, so I got to go do that. So... So I would, I would, I'd read my, I'd come to church and, you know, come to my office and be like, all right, I'm going to read here. And then, and then this is, this is so funny. Uh, Kira, my daughter, she's uh, second grade. She goes, dad, why'd you stop reading your Bible? I'm like, I didn't, I didn't stop reading my Bible. She goes, well, you, you used to do it in the mornings and then you just, you don't read it anymore. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like without even knowing it, they're watching. And her, her assumption was, oh, dad just quit the Bible because I stopped seeing him read it. Man. I gotta start getting up early now and read the Bible just so she thinks I'm a Christian. <laughs> so for, for how can you disciple your kids? Was it learning to trust God in your circumstances? 
guess what you encourage your kids to do? To trust God in their circumstances. Not to fix it for them, but all right, how can we trust God? What do you think God might be doing in your life or trying to teach you through this thing? And I don't know, maybe, maybe this, awesome, okay. So, for you, how, what helps you grow and do that? Now, two things, okay? Number one, we said this before, I'll say it again. You will make mistakes. You have made mistakes. In fact, this is true also. This got a nudge last week, or last, uh, last sermon from the, uh, from the child who was sitting next to the parent. Parents, you have already ruined your kids. You've done a great job at creating issues and scars for them when they grow up and they parent, and they're like, oh man, my mom used to do this, my dad used to do this. You've already messed up. Here's the deal, ready? All of us have. That is why the gospel is good news. You have messed up and you are sinful and you do make mistakes, sometimes intentional. And you know what? There's grace for that. So two things are true. You will mess up and God still has grace. God has grace for you. For kids, God has grace for your parents when they mess up and they have, God has grace for you when you mess up. And there's enough grace for all of us. Like God, is, his grace is sufficient for all of us. But, but listen, the goal here isn't perfection. You can't be perfect. You won't be. You will make mistakes. So here's what that requires for you, okay? It might mean then recognizing when you do make mistakes. So some of us have littles in the home. You have little littles. And they're still like, you're, you know, like maybe they're not even in school yet. Or maybe you don't have kids yet and you're like, that's still future for you. Okay, you're in a great spot because you, you now get to decide how you will disciple your kids. Awesome. You get to figure it out before they like get, you get into it. Others of us, um, you, uh, you have olders, right? So you don't have the little, like I have, I have olders now. So I have high school, middle school, and then second grade. So they're kind of all over. So I have a high schooler now. And I don't know if this is true in your experience. Maybe some of you who have high schoolers, it feels like, it feels like somebody presses fast forward once they get to high school. Because like these years are going fast. I mean, it, 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 like when they're little, you're going, oh, is it bedtime yet? And <laughs> And then when they're older, it's like, wow, like I don't, the month's over. The month just like, it just went by. And, and so when if they're older, here's the deal. You, you probably, you might feel a little left behind, like, oh, I should have done this years ago. And, and let, me, let me just encourage you with this, ready? There's still plenty of time. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at how much change can happen in such a short amount of time if you're intentional. That within six months, a year, if you're like, I want to, all right, I just want to focus on discipling my kids. Maybe they're a, a junior or senior and they're almost out of the house. But you know what? All right, honey, I, I, I went to church today and we, I heard the sermon. And what do you think about if we just started like talking about the Bible or praying together or, or just, just maybe we read and then we come together and we just, we just discuss what God's doing in our life. Would that be something we can do? I bet you your kid will be like, yeah, that, that sounds kind of cool. That sounds cool, Right? If it's an offered as, a, as, a, as an opportunity. And then, and then you'll be amazed at, wow, how much can happen in just a short amount of time. And then there's some of us who have, who have adult kids. And, and your role has shifted now from like parenting your kids because they're out of the house. And, and, and maybe they're at a spot where they have kids of their own. Awesome. Great. You know your role then? Your role is to now disciple the grandkids. Right? Your kids' kids, who are probably your favorite kids anyways now. Your job, your job then is to say, okay, our, my kids are up out of the house, but, but we can disciple my kids through how we interact with their kids, with the grandkids. That, that the grandkids now, not that you take control of them, but like when they come with a grandma and grandma's, grandma and grandpa's house, they, they will hear about Jesus. And, 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 and maybe you start, hey, we're gonna pray real quick. 
Okay, we're just gonna pray for the day, pray for our meals, and, and, and maybe every time they come over, you guys, like mom, like grandma and grandpa, you get excited and you go, hey, maybe we'll just share a little quick Bible story. You guys wanna do a quick Bible story? And then we can go play and do all this stuff. And like, oh, wow, every time we, I love going to grandma and grandpa's because every time we go, they give us a Bible story and then a sucker. And it's like, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. And like, I love grandma and grandpa's house. Awesome, be that grandparent where they go, I love going to grandma and grandpa's house and you are praying for them and you're sharing with them and you're talking about the Lord in front of them. Even if maybe your kids have walked away from the faith and you're like, this is how, I, but still, I'm gonna talk, we're gonna, I'm gonna help disciple their kids and, 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 and we'll just see what happens. Let's just see, let's just see what happens. If that's you and you have adult kids maybe that have walked away from the faith, okay, this is, this is, might be hard. So the first thing is you can look at your own grandkids as people to disciple. For your kids, it, it might require you to swallow a little bit of pride here, to acknowledge that you did make some mistakes. And ready? This is, this is the, maybe the hardest thing you'll ever have to do. To apologize to your kids and ask for their forgiveness. And if there are some things that you know, like, you know, I'm at odds with my kids and, and, and there's, again, there's enough blame to go around, but, but for you to say, I'm going to own up to my stuff, all right? I'm like, do I really have to call my kids and apologize? We don't have to do anything, but you get to. You have the opportunity to model forgiveness with your own kids by asking for forgiveness yourself. Some of us, I, not all of us, but I think some of us in this room, that, that might be the thing that God is calling you to. That's hard, but that is good. That is modeling the gospel. So as we talk about discipleship in the home, I'm, I'm going to give you a few resources, and then we'll jump quickly to, to kind of filling out the rest of our wheel. First, uh, these resources. So this is what I've been doing now, like in our family. Um, there's a resource called the New City Catechism. New city being like representing um, the New Jerusalem or heaven. Or, so it's like... It's a cool name, but don't, don't get lost in the title. Here's what it is. Ready? It's 52 questions and answers about faith, about, about the faith, about Christianity. And there's two different options. So this, there's, um, there's this one, it's called, it's uh, the black one. This is for like elementary age kids. So I've been going through this with my daughter. There's 52 of these. You can do one a week or we do it at night in uh, at our be- part of our bedtime thing. And uh, here's what a page looks like. Uh, and I just let her read it. She's learning to read. So it's, it's helping her read, but also she's like doing it herself. And she reads the question, reads the answer, and then reads the verse. And I'm telling you, it's great. It's just simple bite-sized stuff. You can, I promise you, if you have littles, if they're just learning to read elementary-ish, you can do this easily, easily. And, just, and, then, and then if they have questions, you're there to answer and to discuss and chat. And, and like, ah, do you know what that word means? And, and usually if it's a big word, they're like, I don't know, because this, this, like, this is really, really in-depth good stuff. I don't know what sanctification means. And then your response is, I don't know either. Let's, I'm going to have to look this up. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden, like, you're learning from this children's resource going like, I'm growing in my faith. And, awesome. So I've been going through this with my daughter, and it's great, and and. You know, some nights if she goes to bed late or whatever, it, like we'll, we'll we, just for the sake of time, we, we'll skip it. And, and she always reminds me, she's like, Dad, we didn't do our Bible and our book. And I'm like, man, she, she's, like, she's like keeping me accountable to disciple her. <laughs> like, Dad, you didn't do it again. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, right? But this is a great, this is, I'm telling you, a great resource. If you have littles, you can read it to them or, or you know, have them read it. Okay, number two, if you have olders, they have uh, an older version as well. 
the New City Catechism devotional. This is, so my middle schooler and high schooler, uh, middle schoolers and high schooler, they each have a copy and they're reading their stuff and then we're gonna talk about it. All right, we're gonna read chapters one, questions one and two, and then we'll get together and we'll, all right, well, so what'd you guys read? What'd you like? What'd you hear? What was new? What, was, what's, what don't you understand? What questions do you have? And, 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 and we're just gonna go through these resources. I'm telling you, if you don't know where to start, just get these and say, all right, we could do this. We could do this. We could do it. This, and if not these, something, do something with your kids. All right, now we're gonna talk about our discipleship will. We'll end here. This is our will. We've been talking about it for the last number of weeks as kind of the discipleship process because as we talk about discipling the home, um, I imagine a lot of us are going like, I need to be discipled, let alone like, I know I need to disciple my kids, but like, I need to grow in my faith. Awesome. So we looked at the various um, the categories, the spiritually lost, the spiritual infants, the spiritual children, the spiritual young adults, and the spiritual parents. And, 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 and all of these categories kind of represent our walk and our faith. And, and, um, and I'll go fairly quickly. I apologize. We've, we've gone through this the last two weeks, so some of us will be catch up in, uh, in kind of you know, uh, review here. Um, but, but we look at this and say, all right, we are all in one of these categories, one of these phases, right? And, and, and you go through them in order. You don't go from spiritual infant to now, like, I am now a parent, right? This isn't how it works in real life. Your kids don't go from kid to, like, infant to parent. They, they, there's a process of maturity that you go through, and there is for spiritual maturity as well. Paul talks about this. He talks about how they're spiritual, they're spiritual babies when they should be having, so they, they're needing spiritual milk when they should be having meat. And, and he's like, you haven't grown up in the faith yet. So, so we looked at these and we said, all right, as a church... Here's what we will do to help like the spiritual infant, those who are new to faith, grow in their faith, to start attending church, get baptized, go to starting point, be, uh, begin church, uh, uh, attending church regularly, begin reading the Bible, just open it up, read through John and just like see what happens and begin praying. Okay, if you're new to faith, that is plenty. That's like, okay, that's a lot of stuff. Good. This is gonna help you grow in your faith. To get to the next point where you're a spirit, kind of in the spiritual child phase where you're now... More than an infant, like you have some independence, some autonomy, but you still require other people to feed you, just like a child. And so you're still needing, like, you're still not ready to be self-sufficient. And so spiritually, you're still growing in your faith, but you, you still don't know what you don't know, and you're growing. So we said, all right, we're going to have some theology 101 classes for people to take. Not that classes are the end all, but they will help you, like, grow in your understanding. We want you to begin tithing. Something happens when all of a sudden, when you start, like, sacrificing your finances for the mission of Jesus and the church, where you go, all right, I'm in. Like, I'm actually, m- more so than just like taking the resources of the church and all the things they offer, I'm helping actually sustain the church and help like provide resources so that people, like, like we can reach people for Jesus. Awesome. And then a Bible reading plan. Start regularly reading the Bible, more than just John now. Like, all right. And, and get connected with a New Hope ministry and, and start attending a first Wednesday where we go deeper in a topic. Join a small group. We, we have that opportunity. Literally, we just talked about it today. And, and then do a, another class to discover your shape, how God has wired you. One of the things that we'll begin here shortly. And, and so we talked about these last week and said, all right, here's where we are. If you're in these two categories, here's, where you, here's kind of like what you need to be thinking about in your walk. And then this bar we said is membership. Membership is the thing where, not, it's not where you like, now I'm, now I'm, listen, I don't know if you guys know this, I went through membership. I'm on a different spiritual plane than everyone else. That's not what membership is. It's not like some spiritual like, like a key that you just unlocks everything. Membership is this. 
Membership is you saying, I'm committing to Jesus's mission at this church, this local church. And when I say this church, it could be any church. You could be a member of any church. It, you, you, I, you're attending this church because I see you, you're here. So I assume that this is the church you're, you're like, you call home. And membership is you saying, I'm in. I'm in on the mission and I'm in on this church. And I want, I, I, this is the team. I'm on the team. Coach, put me in. All right, let's go. So we want you to think about membership as being like, all right, I am invested and committed to this church. And then, we, uh, as you grow into like become a spiritual young adult, we will offer theology 201 classes. Awesome, right? And these are kind of like the next step, next like level beyond the 101, hence 201. And then we want you to think about joining a Bible study, more than just a small group. And, and this could be a men's Bible study, a women's Bible study. Even within those, like we have in our men's ministry, we have other guys that just have their own Bible studies that they do on the side and guys are a part of. And you know what? You know what? You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to join a Bible study. You're allowed to start a Bible study on your street. Whatever you want. Like, uh, join another one. Great. Wonderful. Join a Bible study where you're like, I'm going to grow in my understanding of who God is through the Bible. We want you to think about begin serving at New Hope. Where, where it's no longer about like, feed me, feed me. But, all right, I want to help invest in other people. I want to actually think about what it means to serve. Even right now, we have dozens of people in our various classes and ministries, all like serving right now so that you could be here and your kids could be ministered to and, the, and, and your students could be ministered to. We had people, you know, yesterday we had 60, 50, 60 people come on the campus to, to like help make this place look good. Like we have plenty of people who want to serve and we want you to think about what it would look like to serve, to serve not to be served. And, and, and this is a great, a great thing we're gonna be uh, starting here soon. One of the things we're looking at is, uh, is providing short-term mission trips that anyone who wants to go on a mission trip. And so we'll, we'll, uh, as we get closer to launching these, you'll, you'll start hearing more about mission trip opportunities, which is really exciting. And, and then we want you to think about committing to serving to a ministry more than just like, oh, more than serving once or twice a year to say, all right, I'm gonna serve in this ministry. This is my spot. I'm gonna go make coffee. I'm gonna make coffee every other week or once a month so, because, listen, I can tell you this. If the coffee stops flowing, the church will get going. I don't know, that's a pretty terrible. But people were like, I'm, you, oh, there's no coffee today? All right, we're going to the next church. Like, that, I exaggerate, but that's actually kind of true. Um, and, then, and then we say, all right, we want you to grow. All right, so you're in this area? Okay, great. Great, you're serving, you're growing in your faith. And, and wherever you are, the, the idea is like, if there's things that you maybe missed or skipped over, that your next step is not in front of you, it might be behind you where you're going, I haven't been baptized. All right, guess what? We would love to baptize you. That might be your next step is to get baptized. You're like, I'm gonna begin tithing or, or I've never been to a first Wednesday or I've never been in a small group. But even though I'm over here, I, I kind of skipped some of these. All right, awesome. Your next step might be some of the things that are behind you. And then as you move forward, we'll have 301 classes, which we'll talk about here in a second. And then this is what I'm excited for. One of the things that we're launching um, is what we're calling discipleship cohorts, where you join a discipleship cohort. And this, here's what a discipleship cohort is, ready? It's not for everyone because it is this. It is a group of uh, five to eight, at most maybe 10 people who meet every week for a year and to intentionally for an hour and a half to talk and discuss discipleship and growing in your faith. This is the one-on-one -on -one kind of like stuff where this is, the, this is the Jesus model where, hey, there's just a group of people doing life together regularly and talking about, about Jesus, reading the Bible together and then praying together and, and saying, this, this is the group where we do life together for one year. And then we send you off to go do your own groups. And, and so this, as we'll start some pilot groups here soon enough and then we'll, we'll like, 
talk more about this. I, this is something I'm, I'm super excited about as we talk about discipleship. And then think about serving as a ministry leader, more than just serving, but maybe God's calling you to lead, to become a small group apprentice, a number two sort of in a small group, a small group uh, leader in training, so to speak. And then, like for the parent who's saying, I want to be a disciple who makes disciples, it might be you then leading a mission trip or leading a small group where you're now the leader of this group or leading a, once we get these discipleship cohorts going, you're going to now lead one of these things where you're like actually discipling people in real life on an ongoing basis. Awesome, okay? So this is the process. This is what discipleship looks like at New Hope. And wherever you are, there's the next thing for you. And then we have in the middle here, this is one of the, these things we're calling hope and healing. And these are, these are need-based classes, so to speak. And we'll, I'll mention them here in a second. These, these are the things that kind of, um, they don't depend, regardless of what spiritual level, like area you're at, these, these can hit home. These are things like, what do you do with the loss of a loved one? Yeah, I, I just, I, what do you do if you go through divorce, right? More so than theology, you're just sitting here going, I'm hurting and I need help. I need healing. We'll have these, these kinds of classes available here. Okay, so let me go through the classes. Here's our options, ready? Our 101, 201, 301 classes. Um, 101 classes are Christianity Explained. This is the, here's the, here's the overview of Christianity. Here's what it is. If you're sitting here going like, I don't know, like, I don't, if someone said, what is Christianity? You would say, hi, something to do with Jesus, I think. It, like, if you're just saying, I don't know if I can explain the, 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 the details and the truth of Christianity, this is the class for you. Uh, an evangelism class, how to share your faith. Um, spiritual disciplines, what are, they, what are they and how to do them? How to study your Bible, awesome. And then we have practical theology classes, Financial Peace University, how should I handle my finances? Family and parenting classes and a marriage course. Maybe you're going like, I just want to invest in my marriage. Like I, of all the other stuff that I need to work on, like the marriage is the thing that either like we need to work on or, or hey, we just want to get stronger in our marriage. My wife and I took this class when we, when we had it you know, pre-COVID and it was great. It was great, not because we're in crisis, but it was like, hey, this is nice just to, just to like set aside time to work on our marriage. And, and then there's 201 classes. The Bible explained. Now let's talk about the Bible. What is the Bible specifically um, evangelism 2, which is a follow-up to, you guessed it, Evangelism 1. Let's see how that works. And, and Apologetics 1, and Systematic Theology, and Old Testament, New Testament, Overview, and Christianity and Government, and the one many of you are like already drooling over, End Times. We'll do a class on End Times. And, and then there's the 301 classes, Discipleship Explained, as we move further along. And then Missions, and Apologetics 2, and Systematic Theology 2, and Leadership Classes. All right. And then here's the, the color code is like, you know, prerequisites, so to speak. Like, I think it's self-explanatory. You don't take apologetics two before you do apologetics one. Like that, that just makes sense, right? And, and then here's our hope and healing classes, okay? If you go through the loss of a loved one or you want freedom from anxiety or you experience trauma and you're like, I need to just heal through trauma or I need to deal with my guilt and shame of some past stuff. Um, maybe you need healing after a divorce or healing after a miscarriage. These are the things that happen in the church that often the church doesn't talk about. But New Hope, we're going to talk about it. We're going to have opportunities for people to, to, to experience this. Now, here's the thing, okay? You're looking at this, and you're going, when do we start? All right, next week, do all of these. <laughs> this, this is probably, year, this is 10 years worth of stuff. 
This is, this is what we'll be dealing with and, and offering over the course of years. We're, we're just offering classes and opportunities. This isn't all happening at once. This would be too much to do. But over the course of the, you know, as we talk about discipleship long-term, these are the things that we're gonna offer and be focused on. So starting this fall, here's what we're gonna do. We have three class opportunities. The first one is taught by our, our new pastor, who's, this is his job now, is to, do this, to help teach these classes. Pastor Brian Day is gonna do our Christianity Explained where, all right, I, I, just, I, I need to know the basics. It's gonna be three weeks. You can, you can handle three weeks. You can commit to three weeks. Starting on October 11th on Wednesday evenings. Awesome, wonderful. And then a second class taught by this guy, Pastor Brandon, Evangelism One, where we're talking about how do I share my faith? Uh, this is going to be a, a great opportunity for those of you who are, I've never done it, or I just want to be more effective at it. Great. I promise you this is going to change. This is going to change how you interact with people about your faith. I promise you. That'll be Sunday evening starting October 8th. We'll meet for four weeks. And then this one I'm, I'm super excited about. This is the marriage course. We're doing the next marriage course. And it'll be taught by the Matlocks, who are a great, wonderful couple, on Wednesday nights uh, for seven weeks. And we'll have childcare available if you're, if you're like, hey, we got kids. Awesome. We'll take them and you, you, you can deposit them in our room and then you can go work on your marriage. So this is coming up. We'll have uh, plenty of opportunities. You can go online and sign up right here at our uh, new, uh, new slash upcoming. And there's plenty of opportunities for you to even now to say, all right, I'm gonna start taking serious my discipleship so that I can be better at discipling my family. Because if you remember, the role of discipling your family rests with you. We're gonna help. As a church, we will supplement and we will be a part of it but it rests with you. So we're gonna help you grow in your faith. You're gonna, you can grow as much as you possibly want to, and we'll be there to help. But the role of discipling rests with you. We're gonna worship, and then we'll take communion together. So hold on to these, but let me pray for us. Will you stand with me, and then we'll, we'll worship the Lord together, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll take the elements. So Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you love us enough to save us, but you love us too much to leave us there. Part of, part of our faith is what the Bible calls sanctification, growing in our relationship with you. Discipleship. Help us to become better disciples who know you more and experience you and help us to take seriously this high calling to disciple our families. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing.